Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a big way today. Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive your spirit, Lord, receive your truth. That this would be a time, Lord, that we grow closer to you, knowing you more, Lord, and that you would become bigger in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would please be seated. Good morning. morning. With uh, the holidays and everything, I hope that everybody had a a great time with with friends, with family, Uh, maybe just some time for yourself, but that it was something that was reviving to your soul. And if you're feeling a little tired, I'm glad that you're here this morning because we've been praying that this would be a time that would revive your soul. And what we have here in our readings today is, I think, a story that would do that for us, then that's what we prayed for this morning, that God would move through the words of Scripture to revive our soul with the stories that he's revealed to us uh, today throughout the readings that we had and also throughout this entire book, which I would really encourage you to pick up and read regularly. Um, But everybody loves a good story, right? Everyone does. I don't know anybody that's like, please tell me something boring so that I can just be waiting for this story to end. No, we love good stories. We love stories that capture and captivate our minds and our hearts, that challenge us, that stir up emotions, sometimes that confuse us. Some people like stories that scare the living daylights out of them. But regardless of what they, that, that does to us internally, we love good stories. And the better the story, the more out of the ordinary the story is, usually the longer lasting impression that leaves, Right? Something that's not, you, you normally don't just wake up and be like, man, I have a great story about how I brushed my teeth this morning. It's just not those normal mundane things in life that speak to us in big ways. It's usually something extravagant, something that breaks the chain of, of, of the regular rhythms of life. And those things, those are the stories that speak to us the most. Those are the stories that last with us the most. And those are the stories that move us the most. Well, recently, Maisan and I uh, got the very, very rare opportunity to go see the musical Hamilton. Yeah, I guess some of you might know what that is, because I'd heard about it, I'd read about it. It's taken Broadway by storm. It's all across the country. It's all across the world now. And we had seen little clips here and there, but we finally got to sit in a chair for those few hours and watch the story of Alexander Hamilton's life unfold. And it blew me away. First, my first thought was, they never had this in the history books. <laughs> and then they say in the play later, and this wasn't in your history book. And I was like, oh, I guess they knew that I was thinking that. But it's because the story is so out of the box ordinary. This man's life was like a Greek tragedy unfolding right before my eyes. And to go with the story, it was, the whole musical is in like hip-hop and rap. Now, even if you're not a big hip-hop rap fan, there's something about the way that this has been crafted that I think would still impact you because it's so different. The style of music is different. The presentation is different. The story is different. And since we've watched that show, I have annoyed my wife with every single YouTube clip. We even watched a documentary on Amazon. And I've been listening to it as I go to sleep. In fact, my dreams that night 
were all in rap and hip hop. And if you know me, you probably realize I'm not a big rhyme guy or a hip hop like speaker. So that was like thrilling that I could do that in my dreams. But that's what these stories can do. They literally can change our dreams. They can change the way we view life. This helped affect the way that I view history and want to learn about history. And then we come to our readings today. A story that's way older than Alexander Hamilton. A story that's way bigger than anything that happened in Hamilton's life. And it's all found in this book. The greatest story ever told. And at the center of that stands Jesus. Who does the greatest thing ever done. Shows the greatest amount of love that's ever been shown. And just like these other stories, this sto- uh, these stories like Hamilton and things like that, this story has the power to move us, to convict us, to leave an impression that can even inspire us to change our habits, inspire us to change our priorities, and even inspire us to change our beliefs. And that's why today we want to really dive into this story that we have in Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to pull out the greatest story ever told. And if you don't have one, there's one in the seat in front of you, and you can have the greatest story ever told anyways. And if you would open to Acts chapter 3, which is where we're going to camp out during this time. Now, as we talk about stories that move us and change us and affect us, and about the story of Jesus and the way that can do that in our lives... That's the kind of impact that happens in this man's life in Acts chapter 3. For some of you, this may be a a story you've heard a million times, and so some of you may be the first. But either way, I think God has something big to show us about who he is and what he can do. Because in Acts 3, we witness the change that Jesus brought to the lives of two central characters, Peter and John. And if you read in the Gospels prior to that, you can see the way Jesus changes their lives, the way his story affects theirs. And then we see the overflow of that into the life of this lame beggar. And then even into the lives of the people who witness what happens. Now what's really cool is as followers of Jesus as well, we like those original disciples. We like the people that are there. We worship a big God who does big things. And as a God who does big things... Um, that can be spanning from physical to emotional to spiritual. There's no bounds to the greatness that God can do in our lives. And so since God is so big and has written this big story, it's important for us as followers of Jesus to expect our big God to do big things. If there's one thing you remember from today, I hope that you write this down, mark it down, put it in your phone, you can tattoo it on your forehead. That'd be a little, like, different, but, like... Remember it, that as follower of Jesus, we expect our big God to do big things. And that's what we see here. So we're going to start the story in verse 1 of chapter 3 with Peter and John. And now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, as Peter and John, they're about to go in, 
I want you to get your, your, your mind around this. I want us to picture this, to really vision what this was like. So it's like we're walking up here to church this morning. And sitting in front of the doors is a man who had to be carried here because he physically could not walk and is laid at the door of the church to ask for alms, to ask for money, to ask for food, to ask for something that can help sustain him in his physical needs that he has for just a short period of time. Really picture that. What would that be like to come up to that? Or, on the flip side, place yourself there. That something has happened in your life from birth, by circumstance, that you cannot even, you need to be carried to the gate of the church to ask people to give you something that can help you live to the next moment of the day. Think of the desperation. Think of the need that it takes for an individual to be there. And what it's like for a people gathering, going into church, to see somebody in that position. What is that like? What place are you at emotionally? Because he's, he's lame. We know the physical limitations. But what does a physical limitation like that from birth do to your emotional state, to your mental state, to your spiritual state? What kind of impact can that have? Because the healing is much more than just, I need a meal. But then the, the story continues here in verse 4. And as Peter directed his gaze at him, as John did, and said, look at us. So they see him, and they say, look at us. He fixed his attention on, the, on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter's first response when he sees this man, they ask for him, and he goes, look at us. That's, that's pretty dramatic, if you ask me. Normally when people are like, hey, John, would you pass me this? I'm, do they, I don't go, hey, look at me. I'm giving you this plate. It'd be a little strange. But we see it's... Peter's like, look, at, I want your full attention. What's about to happen, I want all of your eyes. I want all of your body. I want everything focused right here. Because he says, silver and gold have I none. I don't have the material things that you're asking for. I've got something bigger than that. Get up and walk. Now, we're going to dive even deeper into this incredible story and look at two ways, two big ways that God moved. And the first way is that God moved as a physical healer. God healed this man in a physical way. A man who could not walk could jump up and leap and then walk into the temple. Now... If we've, for anybody that's ever broken a bone or been injured or torn something, we know that what happens after like six, eight weeks, even months of not moving that? You're weak, right? You can't, it doesn't function as well as it used to. You have to rebuild strength. You have to go to rehab. You have to do all those things that are painful in order to just try to get back to where you were, much less go beyond that. But... This man, who had been lame from birth, he couldn't walk for his whole life, could not only stand, but leap and walk. 
There was no issue of the attrition of the muscles. There was no, I have to teach myself to use my legs because I never have. He got up and could use them instantly. God healed him in a way and provided for him in a way that this man went to the gate never even dreaming would be possible. And when he expected to receive alms, he didn't realize all that he was about to get. This healing done in the name of Jesus Christ highlights the continuation of the power that Jesus himself exhibited during his ministry. We see that in our gospel reading. He even says, look, I've done great things, but wait to see what you guys do. Because my spirit's going to move in a way that's going to empower you to do these great things. And we see the overflow of that here in Acts 3 in the life of this lame beggar. Let's again place ourselves in the position of this man. Carried to the temple. Humbled yourself to the place where you're in such a desperate place that this is all you can do is be carried to the front of the church. The place where people gather to worship. To say, please help me live one more moment. And what you get is the ability to do what you have never done before. That man expected God to provide in one way and receive something so much greater. Is that like our prayers? When we pray for healing for things, when we pray for God to fix these things in our life, are we thinking small or are we thinking big like our God is? Do we expect something small or do we expect something big like our God is? I think sometimes I, I kind of think it's too small. I think that I come and ask and beg for something to provide me for the next moment, not realizing and not always thinking about how big God really can be, how big God really can move. Because what God does is does the unexpected. And he does the unimaginable. And when God does these big things like physically healing, there are big effects. And he can heal our problems today, those problems that bind us, that trap us, that keep us feeling limited. Is there anything in your life that you're in need healing of? Is there something small in your eyes? Is there something great in your eyes? Is it a cold? Is it a stuffy nose? Is it something more serious? Is it maybe a lasting disease? Is it a Parkinson's? Is it cancer? Is it something that we would view bigger, but God sees as still something that just ails us, that can bind us? Or is it something like depression, anxiety, the need for the control? This desire to be perfect in everyone's eyes. Those things that can trap us and hold us hostage. These are the types of needs that God can heal. Our God is a big God and we should ask him for big things. And expect big things from it. It doesn't, we don't hold him hostage by demanding these things. But we ask him to provide us and to heal us knowing and trusting that he is greater than we are and that we are at the mercy of his will, like a man who's at the mercy of those who provide alms. That sometimes we can get our daily bread 
but there are those moments when God can do so much more. Now, while the physical healing in this story is a grand miracle, and it's a miracle, I think, that sometimes when we read the Bible, we go, look, another Jesus thing. But if we saw it here today in our buildings, if we saw it today in our homes, if we saw it next week in the lives of our friends, that would be something that would change our lives. That's a great story, right? That story changes and affects us. The story in the scripture, the story of this man is God's wanting to do the same thing with us right now because we do get to bear witness to that. We do get to hear that story. We do get to see God do big things. Now, while that's physical stuff and the physical healing of this man, he can walk, he can jump, he can leap, it's a great miracle. There's another big thing that God does that even transcends that, that's bigger than that. Sometimes, and we can look at stories like this and go, what's going to be bigger than a man who can't walk being able to walk and leap instantly? And that's where we see the second big thing that happens, that God is a spiritual healer. When we expect God to do big things, he doesn't just cure the physical. He saves the spiritual. The physical healing of this, this man is a great story, supernatural power on display. But this spiritual healing, I think it's bigger than that. Because the impact doesn't just end with him leaping and jumping. Let's take a look at verse 8. It says, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. And leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Those people knew who he was, and they're amazed by the significance of this. They're amazed at what happened to him. And I... I would argue, in my opinion, that that's not just the amazement of what he did in walking, but that he also walked into the temple and began to praise God. He walked in with Peter and John, praising God. It's all part of the same miracle. It's not one. It's not the other. This is all one thing that God does, that he physically and spiritually cured this man and healed this man. That his rising to walk, I think, is both literal and figural. is both physical and spiritual. This is the power of God moving in this man's life. He doesn't just, like, get up and go, great, peace out, see you later, thanks for the legs. No. What does it say he does? He gets up, and the first thing he does is he walks into that temple that he stood in front of. God had done a work in his heart. There's a response here. He doesn't even thank Peter and John. He goes to praise God. He goes to praise God because he's been transformed and impacted spiritually and physically. He's experienced the love and grace of God in his life and in his heart, in his legs, and in his soul. God has acted in a way to heal him bigger than what we can sometimes see, reason, or understand. Now, what's crazy about this, too, is if we keep reading the story, and we'll get into this 
later on because uh, I think that's a sermon David's going to be preaching on a later book. But I'm going to steal one verse from that passage he'll preach on later. In chapter 4, verse 4, as this story continues, as Peter preaches this wonderful gospel message after this healing, as they go into the, the temple, we see the effects of what happened. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Number of men. They heard the word and believed. They didn't sit there and say, wow, this was a really cool story. This man like can walk now. That's it. Peter preaches the gospel, and the gospel then is paired with that healing, the physical and the spiritual, and thousands continue to join and believe. Thousands are transformed. Now, why is this spiritual healing so necessary? Well, because our greatest sickness, our greatest ailment, our greatest disability, our greatest whatever you want to call it, the greatest thing that ails us is our sinful and brokenness. The sinful nature that we just all inherently have. Our broken nature drives a wedge between us and God. If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 3. That'll tell you even more. And then just keep on reading the story of God's people. It continues to drive our sinful nature, drives a wedge between us and him. And this is the greatest healing that God gives. Is this spiritual reviving, spiritual redemption through the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. That's something that when Peter says, hey, silver and gold have I not. You think that lame man, the man who couldn't walk, you think that beggar cared that they didn't give him silver and gold at the end of the day? I bet that what he received was far greater, just as Peter had said. Because this is what Jesus came to cure, that spiritual brokenness. Jesus is the ultimate payment, the ultimate, pays off the ultimate debt that each one of us has, the cure for the incurable sickness. And this is all done out of his love and grace. Just like this man who was healed, he didn't earn it, he didn't deserve it necessarily, he didn't work his way to get that. That was freely given to him. Just as Christ gives us our, the, the death and his resurrection, the salvation that we receive through that, through our faith in him, that's being freely given, freely paid. So this brings us now to the, the big question of all this. What does it look like for me to expect our God to do big things? Like, it's one thing in this, if you got a lame beggar and stuff, if you've got a physical need, if you, what, what do these things look like? What does this actually mean? What does it mean to be cured of my sinful state? What does it mean to expect something big in my life for God to heal me of something? Well, the good thing is we're going to take a look at two more things in which this can happen. And the first the first way that we can live expecting God to do big things is to live in recognition. Live in recognition that, one, God is big, and two, that we're in need. The more we realize that God is big, the greater that we see God, his authority, his sovereignty, his power, the bigger we see God, the bigger we also realize the need for him. 
before this lame man even went to the temple to beg. He knew, he knew he was in need. I think that's pretty easy and obvious to see, right? He knew on the surface what he needed. He didn't realize the depth of that need. But he knew he was in need. And so he placed himself, he had his friends carry him to a position where he could receive something, anything, to help fill that need. And just like him, some of our needs we don't even realize. Some of those needs we can't even grasp. We can't even see. But that doesn't negate the fact that that need is still there. Maybe we need a friend to bring us to the temple. Maybe we need someone to help carry us to that place. And maybe as God fulfills one need, we see the greater need that we have in our lives. We need that soulful provision. And the greater that we realize who God is, recognizing how great he is, the more that will reveal itself, the more that need we'll see in our lives. And this can be really, really tough. And it can be really, really humbling. And to be honest, it can be frightening to think of how desperate we need him. Because honestly, if I look at the way my own life goes, there are so many things where I still try to be the provider for those needs in my own life. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of it. My natural tendency is to be God of my own life. To be the provider for those things. To be the soulful provision for me. And then I'll take that on for other people too. That's just like built in to I think our human nature. But the greater we see God, the more we recognize him the more we see that we're in need and we're not the one who can do that. We're not the one who can control that. And I spent years of my life taking my own life into my own hands. And I thank God that he showed me that I need to stop doing that. I thank him all the time. And there are moments where I feel like my Thanksgiving is probably a little hollow sometimes because I'll thank him and then try to take the reins back. I'll try to take back control. I'll try to run the show. And again, the greater we live in recognition of how big God is, we'll see that need. So what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to, to live in that kind of recognition of who God is and how small we are? What is it that we need to pray for God to reveal to us? So then we can even ask him for those provisions. And in order to expect to live expecting God to do big things, we do need to live in this time of recognition. Recognition of his greatness and recognition of our own need. And it's with that that we see the, the second part, to live in expectation. Which is kind of obvious in the phrase, how do we live expectantly? We have to live expectantly, right? You got to live expecting God to do something. Maybe you've heard this illustration before. There were two farmers desperately needing rain, and both of them prayed for rain, but only one of them went out into the field to prepare it to receive the rain. Which one trusted God to send the rain? Which one trusted God to provide, even though it hadn't rained? Are we going to be farmers that prepare the field even if the rain hasn't come? 
Because God's going to send the rain when God is going to send the rain. But are we actually preparing our fields for that rain? Do we trust that he'll do it? Or do we pray, Lord, receive the rain while we sit inside the farmhouse not doing anything? Not preparing. Not getting ready. Not even expecting God to move. Or do we expect too little? God, if you'll just give us a, a sprinkle here. Not thinking he'll actually give a monsoon. Now, I'm glad that the illustration comes on the other side of hurricane season because it's a little easier to deal with then. But we need, when those rains come, we got to be ready. And we need to expect the rain to come. Because also, we don't ever know how God's going to answer our prayers because our prayer could be indirectly answered as something greater. This man wanted alms, received healing of his legs and salvation, and was able to walk into... He can go into the temple now. Which is greater? Do we expect the small or do we expect the big from a God who took it upon himself to cure the greatest sickness of all. Live in expectation. Live in hope. Pray big. Pray specifically. Not too, nothing's too small. Go pray with our prayer teams at the back during communion. If there's a line, wait in line. Why wait? This man went to the temple gates every day. You never know when God will answer. Prepare for the rain. Prepare for the rain. God's big enough and powerful enough and wise enough to handle anything we bring before him. He's bigger, he's more eternal, and he's got a greater perspective than us. So don't be afraid to take those small things that you think are small because there's something greater behind it. And there's a greater need that we have than just that. Now we're about to enter into the church season of Advent. This pairs perfectly. And this season leads up to Christ. And it's a time that we focus on remembering God's faithfulness to his promises and how Jesus has fulfilled God's promise to us. We remember the greatness of God, what he's done, the great healer that he is. It's a time to pray, to ask, to expect your heart to be recaptured by his greatness, to be recaptured by his lovingness and graciousness to be reminded of our need for him and that he came when we needed him. So what big thing do you need to ask God for? If you're not even sure, go to the prayer teams. Grab a friend. Turn to somebody here. But prepare for that rain. Because these stories that impact us is pretty cool. This is what's different about about this than movies and music and musicals and documentaries that we don't just get to read or see the greatest story ever told we get to live as part of it each and every single day and so as we move out of this time of Thanksgiving and into Advent and Christmas I pray that each one of us seeks to live in recognition and expectation of our God doing big things. Live in recognition and live in expectation that God will move in a way 
bigger than we've ever thought he could. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so, so good. And Lord, we pray that you would move in our lives in the way that you moved in the life of this beggar. Lord, that we come to your table, we come to your presence in need. And we pray, Lord, that you would provide. That you would provide this physical healing we need, Lord, that you would provide, most importantly, the spiritual healing that our souls need. So, Lord, stir us, stir our hearts, open us to receive your grace, to receive your love. And, Lord, to live in recognition of who you are and live expecting you to do great things. Amen.